0: dropped out of uni. It's not as glamorous as a lot of people say it is by the way and I'll happily kind of give you that story um, and, and then started a business. So what is success for you? I think at a philosophical level, success is just happiness.
1: I'm Richard Osborne and this is DRIVE, the business podcast where I speak to business owners and small business founders about their journeys and the lessons they've learned along the way, helping share this knowledge with you of what makes a small business successful. In this episode, I talk to Ash Phillips. This is somebody who's built his business out of community. Community at the heart of everything he does and something that is very important and passionate to me and UKBF. It's a fantastic conversation and one you'll want to listen right to the very end. Not least because we debunk the myths around college dropouts, what is an entrepreneur, and everything around running your own business when the odds are against you and perhaps people may perceive it not to be the right choice for you. Ash, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me, I appreciate it. The, um, so people who will be listening to this um, on any of the audio platforms or watching on YouTube, mm. uh, if they are already a follower of UKBF and some of the content that we put out, you're already a familiar face because we've done a webinar where we've spoken about community and community within the business. The uh, what I'd like to do is jump straight in because you you talk about um, being a classic uni dropout. Yeah, what is a classic <laughs> uni dropout?
0: Well, I mean, there's this there's this common. Theme that seems to run among entrepreneurs, and I don't know whether it is a statistically common theme, but it's certainly like a narrative common theme. We hear about it a lot, where you know people drop out of uni and then they start businesses. I think there are common kind of common themes and and actual causality that we can draw uh, amongst all this if we want to explore that. But what I mean by a classic uni dropout is that I I dropped out of uni it's not as glamorous as a lot of people say it is by the way and i'll happily kind of give you that story um and uh and then started a business so it just basically makes me a number at the end of the day it's not even that special anymore dropping out of uni it's almost kind of weird if you don't it's kind of impressive if you don't um but the causality piece for me is you know it's recent realization that there's some level of neurodiversity for me i'm I'm pre-diagnosis but i'm 99.9 recurring percent sure that adhd is a real thing for me which you know looking back makes it makes it very obvious that academia probably wasn't going to be the right thing for me and also statistically speaking i'm three times more likely to start a business because of having that or, or those two things are inherently linked and so actually again i'm even more just a number so you know none of that makes me special it just means that i'm I'm the same as a lot of other people that have done the same thing basically
1: the um, there's two things you mentioned there that i'd love to dig into mm. um The uh I'll come roll back round to the ADHD aspect because you mentioned that and straight away like my mind goes because it's um send um special educational needs, learning Mm. difficulties are topics that are very dear to my heart. Of course. Uh, um, from being involved in special needs schools and working in education mm. and from my, myself and my own family. So mm. I'd love to roll back on that. Happy. But I want to pick up on when you say it's not as glamorous as you think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, there are stories out there and I won't name names, but there are stories out there about people that have been to uni and supposedly, maybe true, maybe not, um, dropped out of university in their first lecture. And... For me as an entrepreneur and with maybe, you know, an an investor type hat on, I look at that as fairly uninformed risk. That's very Mm -hmm. flippant to do that that quickly. It may be because you are so certain that's not what you wanna do and you wanna do it instantly and you wanna do it as fast as possible and get out and get onto building something. But I think that's pretty reactive and that's kind of scary to me from a risk mitigation point of view. If that person is then gonna go and build a business, it seems like they're very reactive, maybe emotionally reactive, which can be a good or a bad thing in business. So what I did was did what I think most people probably do, but don't tell the story of because it's a lot more boring is I deferred for two years. Right. So the UK education system, as far as I'm aware, certainly at my university, which was uh, the west of England, was, um, you know, allows you to defer for two years. So I basically said, look, I'm, I might not be right for me. I might have made the wrong decision here. I was Six months into my first year, just about to come up to, to exams. Wondering whether I should cut my losses, how do I do that, I had a chat with them. And they said, look, you can just pull the plug here and, if, and we'll send you a letter every year. And if you want to come back, you come back and you pick up where you left off. And if you don't reply, then we just know that you didn't want to come back. You've had some uni borrowing. It's fairly cheap, but you still got something you're going to have to pay back at some point. So that's the cost you pay for dropping out basically. Fine. Um, and then I just be able to make that informed decision, which is what I did. And I never went back. So it is less glamorous then. I dropped out in my first lecture and then I started something and it went amazing. It's cool. But that's this is a reality, you know. I think there's a lot of BS that goes on in entrepreneurship. I know we're gonna dive into that probably later, but yeah, um, that's that's the realistic version of the story.
1: I'm glad you I'm I'm glad you expanded on that and added that because I'm sitting there the in a sales pitch, my daughter's a college dropout. Mm. The she started college, and very quickly within the first sort of month, few weeks, she was, she came to us as parent, her parents, and said, "I'm not learning anything." Mm. The because she's self, she's very self-motivated. She's done a lot of studying herself in the evenings and put herself through some of the qualifications. And it came to light that at the end of her first year of college, she would have got had to resit the same exams that she's already sat when she was 14, 15. Jeez. Because in the industry she's in, she already started doing a lot of studying. Sure. Um, So she said, I don't want to stick with this. Yeah. And then, um, so we had the same as you, had a conversation with the college and said, what are the options? Can she go up to the next year? Because she's already done this. Mm. That was not the option. They wouldn't allow us to do that. That's wild. Uh, So she ended up dropping out Uh and um, went self-employed. There's a whole lot of stuff around that, Yeah, but it's really good to get a realistic picture behind the university dropout, the college dropout, because I'm on the same view as you, if somebody turns around and just turns up next day, damn, dropping out. Yeah. Whether you're investing into that person, whether you're trading with that person, that's an unthought-out situation where you're thinking, hang on a minute, this this person's really, are they that unstable? Mm. In alarm?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they're just committed. And, you know, I'll give everyone the benefit of that always. But uh, <laughs> I've, yeah, I've been right. I'm sure you have too, but yeah, I've been around long enough now to have a solid uh, BS alarm, as I like to call it. And uh, yeah. when I hear stories like that, it goes off a little bit and you have to ask yourself some questions, just yeah. due diligence at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting and good to hear that I wasn't the only one that made a more informed decision. I'm glad <laughs> your daughter made the right one.
1: Good. The So... With you deciding that that wasn't right for you at the time, yeah, uh, where was your mind what what did you feel at that time was right for you?
0: so I did business enterprise at uni, which was basically before all these entrepreneurial courses came out, which I probably would have done and may have kept me at uni um, do I agree they're they're the right thing that people should be paying thirty fifty grand for I don't know um but it was kind of just after business management courses realized they were a bit boring. And so they're doing something else. And I think it was maybe the one year that course existed. So I did that. And I did that because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. So I came out of college and I think careers, people at college, colleges are some of the best salespeople. They don't know it because they ask the best close question of all time, which is what are you going to do at uni? If you are qualified to go to uni, they just ask you what you're going to do at uni. Don't tell you there are other options. Certainly that was my experience. Maybe it was different for other people, but um, you know, great sales technique because my answer was I don't know what should I do at uni I don't know what to do what options are there and so you know you're already down this channel of these are your options at uni these are the things you're going to do and at the same time entrepreneurship started to become a little bit more glamorized you know the onset of The Apprentice when it was a slightly more serious than it is now um, and the onset of uh, of Dragon's Den when again it was I, I thought it was representative of what a pitch actually looks like which it not necessarily is, I don't think, but, um, those two things were pretty popular. And so that was happening. And then the other thing that happened was I just thought, you know, I don't come from huge money or anything. Um, how can I earn as much as possible? Of course, that's something that you want to know. And so I look at salary tables and I'm like, okay, we've got dentist. Oh, big teeth guys probably don't want to do that pilot not a big fan of heights so probably not going to do that you know go through these lists and there were two options one was architect because i'm a i like design um and you know i just found it quite fascinating i could basically draw for a living i'm sure there's a lot more to it than that but um but seeing that it was a seven-year course to get fully accredited and chartered i just that's a huge investment for something i wasn't 100 sure on and then at the top of this salary list is this this mysterious title that says managing director. And it was like zero pounds to unlimited, whereas like pilot was like maybe 120 grand. And I was like, what zero, to what does that mean? And so all of these things come to a head all at the same time. And I invariably just to fast forward a little bit, just go, okay, I want to run my own business. And do I need a degree to run a business? Well, if I'm going to be employing myself eventually, then no, Um, I've actually never asked my dentist if they're qualified. They look like a dentist. They work in a dentist's office. I've never seen their diploma. A pilot gets on a the plane. They look like a pilot. They're dressed like a pilot. I've never asked them to see if they've been qualified or not. And so, you know, if I run my own business, is anybody going to say, where's your degree? Maybe not. So I just, I, I decided, okay, that's what I want to do. And then I know we'll dive into it, but like, didn't, didn't have anyone in my family necessarily direct family or close enough at least that ran a business so I couldn't really figure out what to do had to make it up as I went along um and you know couldn't afford to just dive straight in and have a trust fund uh, so I worked part-time as a letting agent uh, I'd done the shelf stacking thing before uni at college um and uh, and then yeah was a letting agent for a bit uh part-time whilst building a, a brand and design agency um and uh and then yeah and then Whilst doing that, realised okay, it's a bit lonely. I want to meet some people, and as the people would have heard potentially on the uh, on the the, the the webinar that we did, um, you know, started to meet up, and the rest is history. But uh, that's, that's the origin story. That's it. Podcast yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> complete. <laughs> we, um,
1: so let's let's dive into some of that. Yeah. Um, for, uh, so you brushed over quite what I feel is quite an important part. Sure. The, People who have never run a business never, un, never understand. Uh, in fact, there's so much of it. Actually, mm. the, let's pick on one part. Is you mentioned you didn't have anyone in your family who had run a business. Yeah, there is no degree on being a being a successful entrepreneur. Uh, I'm mm. controversially quite cynical of entrepreneur studies courses. Mm-hmm. There are courses where you study the mindset and entrepreneurs themselves, mm. and what is different about somebody that runs a business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, as a person, mm-hmm. uh, I believe that entrepreneurs are created by their environment. Yeah. The uh, and th- that the the path of entrepreneurialism uh, is seen as a route to solve something for, within that environment. Mm. The, you've just said that you, how can I make as much money as possible? The, my takeaway from that is literally like you're, you you had none. Yeah. The, uh, so if you have no money, um, how can I make more money? Because money is the thing that fixes everything. <laughs> if you're in that situation, you're sitting yeah. there thinking, uh, um, all of these problems that go around me, they'll just go away if I just have more money. Yeah um you're nodding there so yeah
0: pretty um yeah i mean it's pretty pretty accurate you know i've had long enough now to think about it looking backwards and wondering because at the time you don't really realize that stuff but you look back and you go okay well what was really the stimulus and yeah you know for anybody that's been through therapy or been lucky enough to afford to do it privately it's you know it's never too surprising because of what we've seen in popular culture that that a lot of stuff that you do within your life is because of what happened in childhood. And so, you know, what are we exposed to? And again, this is maybe a generalization or a stereotype, but people that come from wealthy backgrounds often end up doing something that's quite... Uh, socially impactful um because they already have the means and there might be some level of guilt of the fact that okay i want to give back now you know the, the branson story sam branson does a lot um with charity and i think uh i think richard branson's daughter does too um interesting kind of to observe maybe a generalization but or maybe nuance but 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 interesting to observe and then the people that i know that don't come from money are yeah, seeking it it's always a want for something you don't have and there's a saying obviously that everyone knows that is a good illustration of that which is the grass is always greener right Mm. um so yeah it was it was a want for something that i didn't have um and uh and also a challenge you know like it's if i can I don't know how to how to put this but if i can run you know i don't know a mile then why set myself the challenge of running a mile and uh, and 10 yards right that's super achievable it's not super exciting it's not going to drive me for a lifetime to just be able to get over that hurdle i'll probably say okay why can i run 26 of these and that's my version if i didn't have a, if i didn't have any money then how do i make 100 pounds is the same as, as the first analogy and it's not super exciting i can't do much with that but if i have no money how can i make a million that's way more interesting as a big, big challenge and it might drive me for a lifetime so i guess that, that was what i was trying to find um and and yeah and so all of that came to a head and And decide maybe entrepreneurship is the route forward and certainly again looking backwards was probably blinded by a lot of the glamorization of of it Mm. and looking at it as something that would be awesome you've seen it i've seen it we've all seen it that lots of people start businesses just so they can put you know certainly nowadays put that title in their instagram bio because it makes them feel (laughs) like they achieve something and i'm not talking down on people because i was that guy and then you do it for long enough that you realize this isn't what satisfaction is that's a very cheap dopamine hit now i need to actually build something and, and yeah and that's when the hard stuff begins yeah. so why why did
1: you not just start straight away you, you mentioned that you then started working part time and let an agency um the on a salary um what stopped you from just not doing that and just going full-time into running the business starting with nothing
0: yeah, good question. I mean, one, I didn't know that you could do that. Um, you know, it's the only. I said said in the in in the webinar previously, but like, it's the only job in the world that you don't get onboarded to. And I'm still trying to find a job that that proves that wrong. There might be one, and I'm and I'm waiting. But um, but yeah. So I, I it's a wilderness. You just go. You know, if you work in a pub, someone shows you how to pull a pint. If you do brain surgery, hopefully someone shows you how to do it. But if you start a business on a Monday, you just go, okay, I've started now. and then you look around and nothing's changed and you're just left to your own devices and that's scary you know we seem to be okay with the failure rate of companies in the uk and and worldwide but if the failure rate was the same for university dropouts it'd be a national inquiry it'd be fixed tomorrow so what are we doing to fix that we're not um, I think maybe more should be done. And thankfully, things like UKBF exist to be able to answer those questions. But I didn't know where those resources were. And so I basically decided, okay, I'm going to need to give myself a bit of a runway here. Um, I need to cover my, my you know, what I need to pay my parents rent-wise. I need to pay to, frankly, at that age, go out every week. I don't even know how I afforded to do that. But, um, you know, all of that stuff at the same time. So I need a little bit of cash coming in. And then the rest of the time, I'm just going to spend reading business for dummies or you know on youtube watching how figuring out how to build websites and 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 doing everything i needed to do to 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 hustle my way up the chain basically um and and say yes to things that felt uncomfortable and after a while you get to a point where you realize oh actually i'm a bit too busy now to do this stuff what do i do it's that impasse where it's like am i too busy should i still work and i remember chatting to a friend of mine um at the time who was um has done really well for herself since but she was just like you just have to take the leap you know it's like being it's like it's like you know swimming without armbands you 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 know you can either decide that you're just going to drown straight away or you can at least drop try and who knows you may, may learn how to swim and i think that's it you know the real analogy that people use is jumping out of a plane building a parachute on the way down that kind of thing so you know, as long as you've got all the parts for the parachute, that's the important thing. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, using that analogy, I didn't want to jump out of the plane without like, the parts. That was probably the, the it's one thing. Of
1: the it's reason behind the question, because I am I sometimes get asked when's the best, you know, when should I start my business? Mm. And the, I, my, my general answer is now. Yeah. Because if you don't, when are you there's yeah. never going to be the right time there's never going to be um it's never going to feel safe it's always going to be nervous but that pit point in time when you said right when do i make the leap when mm. i do this nothing quite beats what i would define as the fear factor mm. that any comfort blanket safety net parachute anything you've got around you that's giving you that little bit of safety as soon as that uh, cord is cut yeah um no, that's it. You're there. Then you're, yep. you're, you're, you literally you've got nothing else uh, around you that's going to save you. You're, you're full on. Yeah. The you went uh, you, you went into
0: marketing. Mm-hmm. The any particular reason behind the choice? Honestly, I think you know, and people might shout at me for this, but it is one of the easiest in businesses that you can get because in the age of the internet, um, because you can teach yourself to you know build websites fairly easily a lot of the platforms that you can use are uh, you know fairly available at the time i was building them the ones that don't exist right now didn't exist then i was building websites on dreamweaver if anybody knows oh, past, yeah. yeah we'd learn it in college and i built an okay one and was like well maybe if i keep going i can i can learn a bit more of this so we did um and then i learned a bit of photoshop and still to this day i only design stuff on photoshop which designers will shoot me for because i should be doing it on illustrator or something else by now probably um but all of it was just self-taught and so you know i did that because those programs were accessible i've I got a bootleg version of adobe from you know the internet because i couldn't afford the package at the time which was huge like two grand thousand pounds something like that um and and so, yeah, it was it was an easier in than me needing, let's say, thousands of pounds to buy product from somewhere and resell it. Or, you know, it's, it was a time for money business. I could have washed windows, but even then I would have still needed some money for product. Marketing was I have a laptop and I have some time and I'm creative. I did art at college. I did IT at college. I also did sports science, which is good for life, but and not helped me in business that much. Um And so I combined the art piece and the IT piece and turned it into, okay, maybe I can create something on the internet and yeah, the rest, the rest, you know, uh, the rest was just reactive. Oh, you've done me a website. Can you build me a logo now? Yeah, great. I remember costs, I don't know how I got this contract, but someone i knew worked for costa in their market marketing department they were hosting some weird like comedy coffee tour thing and someone was like oh can you also take pictures as well and i was like i don't have a camera but if i just say yes so i said yes and then became a photographer for the week you know you just do that and then all of a sudden you've got a service list as a marketing agency and away you go and a camera that i probably couldn't afford but yeah um so that's why
1: whilst I've got your attention as a business owner myself I'd like to tell you about a new venture that we've launched alongside UKBF which is smart business a business comparison site where our first product is business insurance working with leading provider simply business we enable you to compare a wide range of insurance products from leading insurance companies to find the cover that is right for you go to smart business .co.uk. Compare, decide, job done. That's smart business. It obviously got off the ground yeah. and got running. How long before, if at all, yeah. uh, did it enable you to pay a mortgage? The,
0: yeah, so I'm a millennial, which means I don't have a mortgage. Uh, I don't know what one of those is, um, <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, when did it start paying me enough to basically, um, you know, be a genuine profession? I don't think in the marketing agency. I don't think it did. It, no, that's a lie. It did, um, and I can I can tell you when it did. It's just funny. Like dates just blur for me sometimes, and I try to remember mm. events, um, big gaps in history. But um, yeah, I I the easiest way to explain this to start off with is that i think the way i think about building businesses to the point where they get really validated and they actually work for you is like a dartboard right so Mm -hmm. what i mean by that is that there are three rings on this proverbial dartboard and the first ring is all the people that you know directly. And they're going to be really nice about what you're doing, but they actually don't care, which is really sad. Like, yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, it looks amazing. I had a clothing company for a year. Everyone told me it was amazing. No one wore it. And I was like, well, that's interesting, isn't it? Do you actually yeah. care? It's because they know me too well. There's no mystery factor, right? Yeah. Um, second ring of that dartboard are the people that are secondhand connections, you know, the people that are friends of people you know. They actually ironically probably value this stuff more because they get to provide their own value perception to what you do, and they might actually ironically pay a bit more for it, at least ask you for less deals because they know you less when you know things are actually starting to work when you is when the third ring clicks in which is someone you've never met and you don't know and you know referrals fine aside but people that are third step connections where people start to pay you for services and they provide their own value perceptions and you get to kind of orchestrate what that is and it's at that point i think stuff actually starts to happen for people it's great if you can make the first one work great if you can make the second work great if you can make them all work but like we all have to generally just move through that that mix to start with and so I think I started to get to that third ring of people after probably two years, frankly. it probably yeah. should have moved faster. If I had the fear and didn't have the income, maybe I would have, but yeah, I can't regret things. It's all in the past. Um, and then I remember I did a joint project with someone. I'm a big space geek. Um, so And I'm from Filton, which is just north of Bristol, and that's where Concorde was uh, yeah. flown and last landed. Um, and so aerospace is a big industry there. And um and there was this company called Bristol Space Planes. Um I don't know if it still exists, I need to find out. It was run by a guy who at the time was 80 something um and was part of uh, the Cold War spy kind of reconnaissance plane missions. And he, his opinion, if Cold War didn't happen, we'd have, you know, uh, we'd have space tourism by now. Um and he wanted to use some of the technology that he used in in that time period to create horizontal takeoff and landing uh suborbital space flight so no rockets planes they can go to space essentially and i just found it fascinating i was like just tell me what you need i won't charge you if You want to be involved in this it's really cool give me a seat one day if it becomes a thing like that's that's where i'm at but his branding was terrible because obviously he was 80 something and in the aerospace industry never done this let me build your website I build your brand it'll be cool we'll figure out and um and he also brought in a crowd a company to help with crowdfunding there were social uh, specialist in social um, um, you know, strategic level, not just tweets for pounds, but but uh, this was maybe, you know, 11 years ago now. Um, and so this was at a time before people really knew what to do properly with social. Um, and we worked on it together and we got on really well. And then we hang out a bit and we were like, well, this works. I've got services that you can't provide that I can bring to the table. You've got customers and one, if not two members of staff that I don't currently have and I can't figure out how to jump to. So let's just work together. Let's merge and merge is a strong word for a company of one person and maybe one or two other people but we partnered basically yeah. for a year and at that point we became something a bit more we had some proper clients my business partner brought bigger clients to the table we had Longley, we had wild beer we had bodine's barbecue in london we had some you know fun clients good names and that was when i was able to pay myself a proper salary basically and that was a number of years you know three four years to just get to that point um but that gives the whole story, basically. Uh,
1: you touched on it a moment ago, the, uh, that people will start a business and put on. The first thing they do is they'll put entrepreneur in their LinkedIn yeah. um, job description or Instagram bio, whatever it might be. Um, but that in experience in its own, um, you know, it debunks a lot of, you know, what the realism is in sort
0: of becoming a business owner. Yeah, I think people are again generalising here, but I think uh, people are generally driven by one of three things, if not a bit of a bit of each. You're either driven by money because of the childhood thing that we touched touched on. You're driven by impact, probably because of the child thing, childhood thing that we touched on, and or you're driven by some level of, and for want of a better word, some level of narcissism, um, which probably exists for most business owners because you know we probably wouldn't do it if we. If if we if we didn't have that level of uh, confidence, delusion, self-belief, something in there that we can be the person to do this. Um and and it's probably one of if not a bit of a bit of each of those and so you know that drives you through that period but that narcissism piece is the bit that can get ticked off too easily because of that kind of instagram bio effect right you start something automatically you got your first set of business cards you feel like a success but there's no money in the bank account and she has less because you spent 60 quid on your business card so what are you going to do um and and i and the reason i'm passionate about breaking this down is not because i want to knock people down it's not because i want to knock the entrepreneurial profession back quite the opposite i want to bring it forward so i'd love to see more people run their own businesses and i think in today's world cost of living i think they're going to have to because they need to find income from somewhere maybe there's a revolution of small businesses around the corner and we go back to more of a trading society because we have to who knows it's maybe a different podcast but what i'm trying to say is that I want people just to be more realistic to it, about it. And the reason for that is because they owe it to themselves. Mm. They shouldn't. I've done it and I don't want other people to do what I've done, which is to be rewarded by the stuff that isn't paying for an okay lifestyle for too long. Um, And to see that as going through the hard stuff and the necessary, you know, chew the glass and be in the dirt and all of that it's okay to be successful. Um, and 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 by that, I mean to pay yourself a salary and have an okay life. And like, mm-hmm. you know, especially when we get to the f- investing stuff later on, like you don't, that doesn't mean you need to build a unicorn or a billion dollar company. You know, 10 million pounds is statistically puts you in the 1%, the 0.1%, the 0.001% probably. I don't know what the stats are, but you know, just building something that makes sense that then is worthy of the title of business owner makes sense you know don't do it the other way around otherwise you trick yourself into feeling like you've got the reward already and then two years later you realize there's no money in your bank account and you resent the whole thing so uh, that's why i want to break that down it's just to be more realistic sell something ideally yeah. sell something for more than it costs to make it and then you're on something and then add founder to your buyer <laughs> There's this great opportunity
1: here, and you know I'll pay you later. It's it's in whatever sh- way it's polished up, it's ultimately work for free, yeah, and you might get paid later because this is going to be on TV type yeah. stuff.
0: Did you experience that? Yeah, um, I did, and you know what? I'm, I'm I I've kind of tread the line here because I'm like, we both know that that is useful but only if it's done in the right way well, I know that I'm, yeah. I won't speak for you but um, I believe that it's useful if it's only, only if it's done in the right way and it needs to be done in a way where every single party wins and wins properly from it yeah. otherwise the moment somebody doesn't win in that relationship is the moment it breaks and is the moment that it doesn't work um, and so that promise has to be real and it has yeah. to be achievable um, and deliverable because the moment it's not is the moment it becomes exploitation yeah. um, you know you can't pay your rent with social currency we actually ran an April Fool's campaign a couple of years ago when the company was called Yenna the the business I run now different was called Yenna and we announced it it was the time blockchain was becoming a thing and we announced we were launching the Yenna coin on the Yenna card and I flippantly wrote a press release and stole Apple's credit card picture sorry Apple um, and put my own logo on it and photoshopped it made it pink people like that Um, and, uh, and we announced that we were launching something and this fake press release I wrote there was a line in there that basically said hey look you know, I've helped a huge amount of people over the last 10 years. I'm not rich yet. If I could pay my rent with social currency, I'd have an incredible place to live right now. But I can. <laughs> so we're inventing a way to do that. And I, I, I wasn't. It was, a, it was a April 1st, you know. I got inbound, though, emails from people that were like, this is insanely cool. How are you doing it? When are you doing it? When are you launching it? And I was like, guys, check the date. Um, so, you know, classic me and we'll get to this maybe another time, thinks maybe there's something there, should maybe do something about that. But actually, you know, it does remind me that there's a lot of that out there, but I think people need to just put a safeguard up. Most of the reason that falls apart is because of imposter syndrome. And it's like, maybe I'm not worth that. Um, and so, what I do with clients I have now, if I work as, a, as an advisor on a, on a regular basis, and sometimes they're individuals and they're freelancers. So, one of the exercises I get them to do is I get them to just understand how much their actual hourly rate is, and it's an, immo- a rem- an immovable hourly rate, by simply going, well, how much do you think you should be earning this year, based on you know normal rates for someone in your industry, your level of seniority, and simply you know the lifestyle you think that's affordable, achievable, accessible within the next year let's say they come up with a number that's like 40 grand, 50 grand, 30 grand, whatever Whatever the number is. And then we divide it by the number of working hours in the year. And then generally we divide that by 50% because you're not going to bill every single hour. Um, and you're going to do admin for the other half and biz dev and all of that. And you come up with a number, which is, okay, that's that's my hourly rate. And as yeah. soon as you say no, or you, you, you let someone in on reducing that or, or not actually paying for it, you're taking away from that end of the year number. And so as soon as you say, hey, yeah, I'll give you a 50% discount, you're making the decision to not be worth 50 grand. You're making yeah. the decision that 25 grand this year is okay. And if that's what you want, then cool. But I always do that with people because it seems to just give them, even with imposter syndrome, that little bit of extra, just logical confidence. Not just emotional confidence, but I can do the maths What decision am i really making here and then they overcome it so um it's also an area
1: of vulnerability because for me um and i don't think everybody does this intentionally but what's actually happening is you have somebody maybe with imposter syndrome in a in a position of desperation for work yeah who could be spending their time doing all other stuff to drive revenue but they haven't been boarded into the job of a business owner. There isn't the course you go to that tells you how to do all this. Yeah. You, um, so you'll find yourself an incidental business owner, um, and you're desperate, and you're clutching at every possible straw, mm. um, to the point where the other person is ultimately. And I'm glad you use the term because it, I, I agree with it, is. Um, it can lead into exploitation. Yeah. Uh, and that, that person is, whether they're intending to or not, is exploiting somebody who's in a very vulnerable position mm-hmm. uh, in their business life.
0: The uh, So, yeah, it's all the same myself. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I'm sure you mentioned the rebel meetup stuff, so uh, I don't want to jump ahead, but just to be very clear, we use a mechanism like the mechanism we just described, but in the right way. Um, to build that to where it's got to today. Um, and so, yeah, I'll happily talk about how the right way, I think at least, it should be done as well.
1: Well, meetup's a great point because sure. the your mission statement and everything behind what led to creating meetups is very closely aligned with why UKBF was created to exist as well. Yeah. In that when you're running a business owner, when you, when you are a business owner... It's lonely. Mm. You don't have people to turn to. The You've not been to... You, <clears throat> if you're out of school, mm. there isn't a lesson. You've got maths, English, geography. Nothing along there is incorporate companies, register for tax, register for VAT, mm. manage your cash flow, uh, the sales and marketing uh, opportunities, so today's world, social me- media marketing, p all these things you need to know about and more yeah. doesn't exist on the curriculum. Crazy. The, uh, so you're running a business uh, and generally, by myself, nobody around me to ask questions to. The, um, the, yourself, nobody around to ask questions to. So what do you do? You try and create, you, you try and create an environment that brings people together in that same position. Um, that's what I read about Meetup, and the, you're nodding. That that is yeah. What I, I,
0: to. I basically, there's pretty much long short of it. Um, yeah, I, I I was going to networking events for the marketing business. I was finding there at what was I maybe at the time twenty one. I was the youngest person in the room who was talking about, you know, houses and kids and holidays. And I didn't know what any of those things were. Um, and that wasn't a problem because it became a talking point of like, why, like, who are you? you got this baby face guy in the room, like, what are you doing here? Um, you know, it was definitely one or two occasions where people asked me to get them an orange juice because they thought I worked there, <laughs> um, which was a great talking point as well, which is, you know it's a great talking point for me but for the wrong person could be the thing that puts them off for life so that's really interesting and something to to to, i guess rhetorically think about but um yeah i was doing it and i was just like you know what culturally this is a bit awkward because i want to talk to people that get it they're at my life Mm. stage they understand it my parents don't get it they probably never will bless them like they're very supportive every facebook post we get gets liked by mostly just them um and uh And, uh, and my friends again, you know, super supportive, but in a ring thing where like they say that they're there and they get it and they are emotionally there for me, but they don't really get it. Like they're talking about their 2% pay rise at Christmas, if, if that, and I'm talking about the fact that I might be rich or broke. Um, And, and, you know, that's fun to me for some reason, sadistically. So, you know, I wanted to find people like me. So I set up a network. Called it yenna which at the time was the young entrepreneur networking association big old mouthful but it sounded like an sounded official you know yeah. i was a brand guy I, that was the one thing i could do well was brand things up and make them look good at least posted that on linkedin and a couple of other platforms and i think we've got like six people around a bar in bristol um just having a beer and it was the first time that i felt like oh i found my crowd you know i found my people mm-hmm. they get me and i get them and unbeknownst to me at the time they all said at the end you know at the event when's the next one this was great and i said i don't know next month and then we've run them ever since basically out yeah. kind of hand so yeah it was it was the same reason that you up ukbf yeah lonely trying to share learn connect and uh, and we did it in a physical format
1: the uh what says what speaks volumes about it though is how
0: big did meet that get? I don't know, how many... Yeah, so, like, you know, we ran them in Bristol for a bit. And then someone came from Bath. And they were like, it's just a bit annoying on the train. Can we run one there? And I said, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then we did two. And then we did one in London. And then someone came from Sheffield, which is a four-hour drive to Bristol, which is crazy. But, okay, maybe we're scratching more itches than just mine. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. What are we really doing here? Then we did one in Birmingham, and at one point I was on the motorway, London, Birmingham, Manchester, Bath, Bristol, Cardiff, every month, no money because the events have always been free and will always be free, in my car, coming back from every event the same night, bearing in mind these are in the evening because I couldn't afford to stay in hotels, so Manchester event would get me home at like 1.30am and I'd be up for work the next day. Um Then I do a podcast with someone in London asking about the meetups kind of full circle really a bit meta um and she's like it sounds great i'm going back home soon can i run one there i said where's home she said melbourne and i was like i've pff, i'm not well travelled i've barely been out of the continent um i don't think i actually had at that point and uh yeah but yeah sure let's do it and then pre covid we are running 100 events a year 21 cities nine countries 5000 people a year all completely free and those people just as we spoke about in our webinar were a community, a community of people that all would, had common denominators. And that common denominator was they were doing something that broke the status quo, something that was different to their peers. They were, as we now describe them, rebels, hence the rebel meetups. Um, and, and yeah, and, you know, fast forward, COVID killed every event that we had for obvious reasons. I'm bringing them back now. So, uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride. You, you talk about what the success looked like.
1: Uh, And if I try and uh, relate to that, for me, it's changed over the time. Hmm. Uh, The awards in the early days, I I stopped entering awards and stuff years ago. um, But at the time, they almost acted as a bit of an affirmation because the money wasn't there. Yeah. But at least it was something that was almost like a, a secondary sort of pat on the back. The first part, you mentioned earlier about the point where you can uh, you you can pay yourself. That's like a big like I'm Huge. actually getting I'm getting paid now yeah. to work,
0: and no one knows that. By the way, <laughs> there's no one around to pat you on the back, send no. you a card that says "Congrats on your salary." That that card doesn't exist. No. But yeah, so a few years longer the
1: longer the line, and I actually get more satisfaction now of watching other people's successes mm. uh, as opposed to what does success look for me? Because the reality is I'm happy. Yeah. It's a, it sounds like a really corny thing to say. Uh, and it would be different if something happened to the business, heaven forbid, and I can't pay the mortgage or you know sure. something like that. Um, my priorities would refocus because I'd have to think about that. But at the moment, my family's okay. I'm content. I don't have a yacht, don't have a plane. I'm not a multi-millionaire and all these other things where there's like a... A balance sheet measurement that crazily yeah. doesn't actually mean a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, there are other people at will, and that's fine. Everybody yeah. has their own motivations, but for me, I'm actually happy. Yeah. So to see other people, um, so what is success? Um, the some people would look and say, "Well, oh, Richard, you're very successful." Uh, other people look at me and go, "What you um, dr- drive a um, well, an eye pace? So you drive an eye pace? Where's your Bentley?" Yeah, if I had the money, I wouldn't buy a Bentley. Yeah, it's probably not a good investment. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, it's it's depreciating asset. Exactly. Just like well I can't justify it. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, but it's uh, so it's it is it's, it's an interesting question to ask. Yeah, but it's something very personal to individuals as to what um, what measures. I noticed you didn't answer it for yourself. So, what is success for you?
0: I think at a philosophical level, success is just happiness. For me and anybody else i think yeah. because happiness is derived from different things so it's kind of a cheating answer yeah. like as long as i am happy then by definition things can't be wrong um mm-hmm. and therefore that is success am i short cutting myself and, and and allowing me to cheat to the to to the answer maybe but um you know w- happiness therefore what is happiness for me is the ability to do good um, because uh, that's not altruistic. It reminds me of the episode of Friends where Phoebe is trying to find a genuinely good deed, and she can't because she feels good about doing something. And she's like, "No, it's genuinely not altruistic." <laughs> um, you know, so you know, doing something for other people because it makes me feel good, ergo happy. Um, you know, I used to think it was money, but it can't be because I've not made a huge amount of it yet. And so, if it was. I would have put more effort into that. And so in hindsight, I go, well, therefore, I can't be driven by money as much as I thought it was. I thought it was. Maybe it's not. It's probably impact. And impact is then also related to probably the narcissism piece, because it allows me to do things like this, which make me feel good and, you know, make me feel important and fine. So happiness is probably feeling valued and being valuable to others, which are inherently linked. The idea is that you do enough of those two things for long enough, well enough, that they become valuable enough that someone pays you well for them and great, you're good to go. Uh, it just reminds me of that Japanese kind of ikigai um, philosophy. You know, do something that you love, something you can get paid for, something that allows you growth, you know, makes you feel happy, all of those things. Middle of that circle is is, is success to me. Um, and that the reason I like that as an answer is because it differs for lots of people. If you're happy earning no money but being able to surf every weekend, you're successful. That's amazing. If you're happy being a banker trading in oil don't really care too much about the planet then in your world you're successful if you're happy with that because you've got a yacht great that's amazing you know um and that's why me and my dad have this fun conversation sometimes where we think about what success actually is because he looks at someone like not coming from a business background looks someone like jeff bezos and he goes why does he need a bigger yacht and i'm like that's because you you're measuring his success on materialism money and undoubtedly he's driven by money because he won't be as rich as he is right now if he wasn't but once you've got a yacht as big as he's probably got if there's a bigger one why is he really buying it there's only one person that can use it it's because he wants progress and progress is probably the thing that makes him happy um which is probably driven by massive insecurity but that's a whole other con- conversation <laughs> um so yeah that's what makes me happy is is being of value and uh, and and feeling of value do you, th- uh, when you think about
1: the journey, uh, and your motivation to start being driven by money at the start, can you sense the changing or evolution of what is driving you and what is making you, um,
0: your why yeah. kind of
1: change over time?
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I, I, I recently, um, finished reading a book called Range. Um, It's a fantastic book. It's about the power of generalists. Um, And it talks about how actually it's kind of unreasonable to assume that we're the same person throughout our lives. We actually change Mm. very substantially every decade even. And so to expect to be the same person, you know, in 10 years is unreasonable. And actually, you know, the book talks about that in careers uh, and and business sense. Um, And I've seen that myself. You know, I'm 33 now. uh, Single, no kids. So you know, in the back of your mind, things start to creep in. You're like, okay, I don't have as much as, you know, the opposite sex... The body clock as much to worry about it still comes into mind. You start thinking about what do relationships look like? When should I be doing this? Do I earn enough to be someone that I would want to be with? And uh do I earn enough to be able to pass on something to you know dependents that I don't currently have? How much is an engagement ring if I needed to? A lot of money, those, you know, like <laughs> all of those things. I don't have a mortgage right now. Is that okay? Is that a problem? Am I buying too many avocados? Like the memes I am. Like you know, all of these things come to play, and so. I think I started off probably with money, naively thinking it was money and it probably wasn't. Went into the self-serving piece of you know, narcissistic kind of reward me- mechanisms, which drive a lot of people now, thanks to our devices in our pockets, um, and, and, and ticking those boxes. And then eventually getting frustrated at having that, that uh, I guess, perception of success but not actually being able to live that. You know, I can't go on holiday whenever I want right now. One, because I'm either tied into the business and or because I don't have the money to spend on it. Um, that doesn't feel like success to me. And so I'd be seeking flexibility via money. So is money still success? Maybe not. It's, yeah, it, I do feel it changing and I do see it changing. And I think, I think it changes for a lot of people, but that's when you do things like sell the business, buy the business back. You know, you probably change during those years as well, I imagine.
1: Oh, absolutely. The, um, it's, and you have to, let me rephrase it because I, I can only speak from my own perspective. Sure. I have to have something I'm going for mm. to give me the motivation as a tangible measure. Mm. The, uh, and at one point during that journey was a home that my children would grow up in yeah. that was, I, I was able to lay down roots. Uh, and then to have a comfortable life. Ironically, w- I wouldn't want my kids to have everything. Hmm. Um, I don't want them to turn around and go, uh, my, my daughter winds me up and stuff. And very proud because she owns a handful of horses, but she's run her business for nearly five years now. Hmm. And yeah, fuck me, excuse my language. Yeah, it really is nearly five. <laughs> You'll have to beep that one. Um, yeah, nearly five years. And the um, and she's earned the money to build these up for a riding school that she did. So the um, then she turns around, and she has this little like meme sort of like, "Daddy, I want another pony," <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it's, it's that sort of it's like joking with it. But the reality, you know, no. Uh, yeah. And she says, uh, so I'm not even putting words into her mouth here that um, I want to prove I, that I do this myself, not on Daddy's money. Yeah. Uh, which makes me prouder. and the you know it's the same sort of thing where you want um, I want them to be comfortable yeah because I wasn't I want them to have a home where there's roots because I didn't have that yeah Uh, so all these things that's my drive we've got that now so what next yeah and I can actually feel and know the period of time within this business where I hadn't realigned another goal Mm. to go for because there wasn't anything that I actually, and there isn't anything that I actually want. Yeah. Or, uh, or should I say need, because mm. uh, we always want something. was anything I actually need strong enough to be a personal objective goal. Yeah. And during that time, I actually know and knew at the time I wasn't as motivated mm. as I was when I had something to aim for. So my um, I've changed for, uh, throughout those times, as the times go on, and now have a goal, have a, you know we have a business plan, we have a objectives we're going for, and I share with the team. The team know what these are, and I'm fired up again. Yeah, and it is it's all it is having to know that you're evolving, mm. know that um, okay I've reached that point in life. My 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 ambitions have changed because. I've matured my life around me, my circle of friends, whatever it is has changed around me as well. Yeah. So I need to keep up with it. This is where I am now. Right. Mainly for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. That complacency creeps in, um, which affects, you know, business performance, which definitely happened to me too. Yeah. You know, with, with things like being close to bankruptcy and stuff too. Yeah. Um, you know, um, yeah, I'm curious how, I'm, I'm curious how you say, you know, you're already always needing something to drive towards, um, i'm wondering if i'll ever retire but i'll be a very different person in mm. 30 40 i mean when am i ever going to be able to retire is a bigger question when when economics is concerned but um i i always yeah i wonder um so with you needing to drive towards something and you mentioning you know maybe one, ten, fifteen 10 yeah. 15 years you know, just retire move on do you think you'd You'd sit still. I've always worried that I'd have twiddly thumbs, I'd need to start yeah. something, do no, something. No, no, my, my
1: my wife would die, would kill me a, a <laughs> so at
0: much. that yeah. point your motivation is survival.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> now the um I know what I want to do. The uh the the business for my day is generally autonomous. Mm. Uh so the for me, uh at some point I need to exit the business and that's a sale. Nice. The uh, and I've had investors come in and invest in this business. So you're you you know you work, work in these circles, you deal with investment, and as somebody who's received investment, the I know they believed and backed me. Mm. Uh, so I'm looking forward to them having a big paycheck at the end of it, Adrian, mm. and just doing really well because the I um I was asked at a networking event once I was given a talk about um. So I said, well, doesn't it doesn't it begrudge you that there's some other people that own some shares in your company? So why would it? Hmm. The I went into investment with my eyes open, it, it's, and you'll know this. So, the an angel investor they put money in looking for a return out. Yeah, they're they're not looking. It's not. Cold, calculated, and that sort. Angel investors are more personable yeah, way softer, um, than yeah. um, some corporate VC. menus yeah. But the but they're in it. They want an angel investor exists because the angel investor is usually a high net worth business person yeah. who wants to roll their sleeves up and still be involved in business. Uh, and I had a an idea where I could take the business to the next level. The irony is, is my idea was over here. Built on various foundations of a fair bit of naivety, sure. Uh, and so the business plan was rewritten, reworked on, and my, the business wouldn't be where it was today without that angel investment and That's their amazing. input. Yeah. The if you asked a twenty year younger version of myself, uh, would you have non exec directors in your board? I'd be like, oh, grey haired old men who ain't yeah. got a clue what they're talking about, <laughs> and you know, past their prime and sort of stuff. That was my attitude. Yeah. now 20 years wiser and uh, I that's made a difference that that is really like gold Interesting. and uh, so I want to pay it forward I want to invest in some businesses I want to be an exec director and advise other people and just sort of help their businesses achieve more than they may have done without my involvement that kind of position yeah uh the I've also got another few little benches in the back of my head that is driving my wife nuts because she said, "You said you'd never start a business again." <laughs> I'm like, "Where?" That's the
0: curse. <laughs> the, well, I've got a mental shelf with like 14 other ideas that just sat behind here yeah. that I will happily give to other people because I don't have any time to run them. So if anybody wants yeah. to run them, I'll, I'll give them away for sure. The um,
1: it is that it is that level though of never really retiring. Yeah. The uh, and. Um, previous guest uh, on here one of the dragons um, say, I asked him the questions saying why don't you, you You, some would say you could literally just stop now you've got enough money, you've got that level of success mm. and he said uh, but when you retire don't you isn't that so you can do what you want to do and do what you enjoy doing mm. and he enjoys business and being involved in small, small businesses Yeah. so he effectively is retired he's, in, he's, he's doing what he wants to do and
0: i think i'd be the same i agree i think i'll yeah. be the same too maybe the businesses will change yeah. the projects will change maybe there'll be different outputs you know but i think i think i'll probably be the same but you know i'll have to come back on in 30 years and we can See talk about years. it then yeah so
1: looking back uh so you've uh, been on a that journey uh, and you've been you know you've experienced the points of literally you're still fight you've, you fight through your business and hand to mouth and you're involved in angel investments yeah. uh, VC work um, at that other end so that full spectrum yeah if we wrap that up to some um, to a point if you go back to a younger version of yourself hmm. uh, so at the very start of that journey where you've um, decided you're looking at a list of salaries and what I'm going to do what would be the three pieces of advice you'd
0: give yourself yeah it's a good question always get stuck on this one um just because there's so many things i would tell myself like mostly just just don't bother to be honest it's not <laughs> worth it um no that's a lie um i think the first thing is and you always want to pick something different to what everybody else has said obviously you know because there's some obvious things but the first thing is like not to limit ambition i think is an important thing uh we get we get held back by you know with the some of the people that we surround ourselves with or whatever the saying is but we get held back by other people's perceptions of what you could achieve and i think that you know that defines where we can potentially go everything that you've ever heard of company-wise or anyone you've ever heard of was just someone with a dream at one point and i don't want to be the 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 person who was on that you know, other infamous, other famous podcasts saying we've all got the same 24 hours in a day because we don't, you know, Beyonce's 24 hours are very different to my 24 hours. But um, we've got, you know, we've got opportunity, some sort of opportunity. We go to sleep and we wake up and stuff happens in between there. And there's going to be a minute in there where we can choose to do something different. Um, and so, you know, don't let those limitations define your potential i think will probably be one thing i say that you're here this is where you're at right now you could be anywhere you want in 10 years part of where you're going to be able to go is the self-fulfilling prophecy of what you tell yourself and that confidence delusion whatever you want to call it is one of the defining factors so you know drink the kool-aid tell yourself that you're gonna be at that point believe it become it and and i don't mean that in a whimsical overly holistic way i think there's a lot of practicality to it and then just lean in and 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 you know try not to listen to what everybody else said. It, frankly, if I hadn't listened, if I had listened to what lots of people said, I wouldn't have started a lot of the time anyway. You know, I remember putting my first just post out on Facebook. It's before Facebook ads were a thing, and um, and just talking about what I did. And someone said to me, I remember exactly who it was, Steve. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll tag him when it's yes, I'll tag him in. <laughs> um, And he said, he said, why are you posting about about this on Facebook? No one on Facebook is going to buy anything. And I'm oh. like. That's funny, <laughs> you know <laughs> ten years later, oh my God, well yeah, you just you've just basically told Mark Zuckerberg that his one of the biggest businesses in the world may not exist. Opinions are kind of worthless, and then I think the other thing so that's one, three might be tough, but certainly one of the other things will be um, to enjoy it, you know it's an adventure, one of the craziest ones you can go on, probably. Um, and 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 you know when times get tough it's it can be easy to forget that it's a bit of a privilege to have the ability to have that tough time weirdly you know i get to do this i get to do this yeah. i get to i last week was having a really bad time i get to sit in front of my computer and and have a bad time <laughs> you yeah. know old me stacking shelves at sainsbury's did, couldn't afford to think about having a bad time because i was too busy trying to figure out which potato goes where so that yeah enjoy it and uh and don't limit ambition i think and and actually i guess the the final one is one that i do say fairly often because it's more of a reminder to myself than anybody else but um, but lots of people forget this too. And it's so simple, which is just don't forget to sell something. Like so many people do all of the minutiae and they forget the product and the com- commerce part of business, especially nowadays. I build a tech company and exit it, and I'm like, okay, great. I'm only going to make some money along the way. Someone might need some. The one company you've seen on TechCrunch that sold for a bazillion dollars that didn't ever make any money is statistically the biggest anomaly that you, you, yeah. you can you can read about. So sell something. Enjoy it, and uh, and don't limit ambition. Those are probably the three things I would yeah I'd say to myself. That's brilliant. Whether I'd listen or not, <laughs> it's a very different question. But yeah,
1: it's amazing the um, how as you go through the journey, your mindset changes and you do become more receptive to other people's advice. Yeah, uh, where the irony is at the very start it's probably when you need the most.
0: Yeah, what is it? That that curve, right? Is it the Dunning Kruger effect? So you just, yeah, you're at the top of that curve. You think you know everything, and then you realize you know nothing. And then you start on the way back up. And I think I'm, I'm on the way back up on that curve now. So, yeah, I, I, talking about the, the investors and, and advisors piece, like I'm doing that. You know, I'm working on something new, and I, I know what my weaknesses are now. So I'm just picking the people that plug those weaknesses and going, okay. You seem awesome. Like, I want A players on my team. You're the A player in this space. I know a bit about that. Old me would have thought I knew everything about that. You know way more than I know about that. I want you on my table, and I'm going to give you some of this company and and do that with the right people. And thinking about it like a marriage, picking people that I want to have dinner with in seven years when things have gone wrong or great. Um, But regardless, knowing they're going to be there for a good time. Um, So, yeah, it's just about surrounding yourself with those people now, for me, anyway.
1: Absolutely. It sounds like a fantastic journey. It's still ongoing.
0: Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. It's just about to start again. Why not? <laughs> we go again.
1: Ash, it's been fantastic chatting
0: with you. Thank, thank you so much for having me and, uh, and you too. Yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Drive. I hope you found it insightful and useful. But before I go, have a look at the app you're listening to this podcast on. See that follow button? Give it a press and you'll be notified of all future episodes as they come out. It also helps us understand where most of our followers are and where to really be pushing this podcast to.